you are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Okay, hello. Today, my guest is Greta Kessa. Uh, she's a friend of mine, and we know each other for a couple of years now. Currently, she's the head of customer experience in Mind Valley Company, based in Kuala Lumpur. And she is also a thought leader uh, in leadership topics. She's uh, posting a lot in social media, um, on her social media, on those topics. So I'm really happy uh, to have you, Greta, here today on the podcast. Hi, Elena. Thank you so much for having me here. So, um, uh, Greta, can you tell first a couple of words on um, how on your leadership journey, you are now uh, the, the head of customer experience. So how did you get where you are uh, right now? Yeah, I guess there can be a short version and a long version of, of the story. But I would say my, my passion for leadership and passion for, you know, making things happen and working together with people started back in school, you know, with being uh, the leader of the class or, or leading debates club, or then um, the huge, huge leadership uh, journey started in uh, an ISAC organization. It's a not-for-profit organization uh, for youth and students and this is where I think I developed most of my skills and competences. And even though the start there was very bumpy, I was only uh, 20 or 19 when I had my first team. And I was a very bad leader, actually. I was pretty bossy. I was very direct. I, I looked only into numbers and into performance. And this actually happened because uh, I used to be very fluffy and happy and, you know, bubbly. And when I became a team leader, somebody told me that Greta leaders should be serious. And I took it for granted, right? And this is like this converted in totally different situations. So I think I was very bad leader for my team back then. But I'm super grateful for people who gave me feedback and were open with me. And this is how I actually learned that, okay, so there is a way to balance both. And actually, I don't have to be serious, right, to be a proper leader. So ISIC had a huge part. And then when I was working as in-house trainer in a big logistics company in Lithuania, I had a chance to also touch upon leaders' development through kind of meetings and coaching and talking about their feedback with them throughout the year. So I think that was a very interesting part to observe other leaders' journey, right? And then kind of compare with my own. And then, of course, uh, in terms of Mind Valley, I think I didn't expect how... I'm going to end up here the way I did because I joined uh, Mind Valley in 2018 uh, spring. And then after only five to six months, I actually was selected to lead the whole department. And uh, really, like, honestly, I, I was planning not to stay in customer support because I joined as customer support agent, right? I was answering emails. I thought I'm going to be there a bit and then leave. But, um, but I think right place, right time, maybe some of my skills and, uh, of course, my vocal, uh, <laughs> you know, vocal speaking up opportunities and always stating my opinion and not being afraid. This led me to start the journey of leadership at Mind Valley. So I guess that would be like, I hope, short part um, of how I ended up where I am now. Yeah, I remember when you shared how you became a team leader when I visited you in Kuala Lumpur and uh, you said that you were offered the team leader position. So how was it for you um, what, when you moved from the employee to being a team leader? 
uh, how did your perspective change and uh, maybe what were your biggest takeaways when you had this switch? Mm -hmm. I think it was hard, not only because I became the team leader for my teammates, right? Colleagues that I have been working with, but also because I was um, almost the youngest by age and definitely the youngest in terms of experience. So that has been a big, um, a big question. So how to behave? And I think generally when people from specialists, they become leaders, like our managers of team, they do ask this question. So who am I now, right? Like, how do I position myself? And um, I'm actually very happy that I didn't take the stand of, oh, now I'm the boss and listen to me and that's it. I actually knew that I know very little. In terms of knowledge, I probably knew the least. I had ideas how to, you know, empower the team and how to lead them in terms of soft skills, but hard skills were extremely difficult for me. So actually I did start with admitting that, guys, I don't know everything. And there are things that I have no clue. And I know that you are a specialist in this case and I'm not gonna disturb your work. Just let me help you in case you need that. And I think that was biggest learning point, which learned, I mean, which, which I learned because then I showed them that it's okay not to know something and that I'm not trying to pretend something because uh, the worst case scenario is that manager comes and thinks, I know it all. And that's where we have fixed mindset instead of growth mindset. Um, of course, I shouldn't be super proud of that because I literally didn't know almost anything. <laughs> but this, uh, I don't know how to call it, like humility or something. I think that that helped me because uh, since then I was always open. For example, I'm not good with documentation or spreadsheets. And I always say, guys, please help me. You know, I'm, I'm very, like, it's very hard for me. And then uh, my team realized that they can also ask for help. So that was probably the, the biggest learning point. And other than that, to be, to be curious and uh, actually not to demotivate people or not to disturb their work. Because sometimes managers just start interfering very, very much without being asked. And instead of motivating, they start demotivating because they become like the obstacle for people and their previous ways. So I was trying my best not to be one. I hope it was successful. So <laughs> these were like probably my main learning points. Yeah, it is actually great that you started your leadership journey from uh, this not knowing everything point. Yeah, so now even if you know much more then you still have this humility approach and it is it is amazing and also i think that your corporate culture adds to this because uh, i know that uh, you in mind valley have a very specific corporate culture which uh, also encourages the the cooperation so can you um tell tell a little bit about this and how how um does this your corporate culture encourage uh, performance and encourages also motivation of of teams mm -hmm. i think you're right i did notice as well that um, i'm not saying it's unique right but it's different from standard corporate culture and and that's why i applied there because i read a lot about uh, mind valley and i thought oh my god that's my dream company and can it even be true and i think one of the defining moments both for leaders and and other employees is that the hiring process is very uh, long, I would say, and pretty difficult. Myself, I had five interviews and my hiring process took two months. But the thing is that Valley is trying to hire for attitude or mindset and train later for skills. And I think when you hire people and they come because their values are similar to the companies, right? They are self-driven. 
they have the sense of ownership, then the whole game afterwards, when you onboard, you start working, becomes easier. And that is, I think, one of the strongest points, both when I became a manager or when I have my team or even I have new people joining, they already are self-starters, right? They're excited. They want to contribute to the mission. And then, of course, it's easier to lead them than to have people who are from day one, you know, just, okay, it's just a job. So I would say this truly helps because the company itself promotes uh, these entrepreneurs. I guess this is the word, right? Like there are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs inside the company. And we're constantly encouraged to look for white spaces, how to improve situations. And I think um, there's not that much of hierarchy of so many levels, even though, of course, certain decisions can't be made just by me or by my team member. We have to have approvals and sync uh, certain ideas or projects uh, with upper management. But this idea that, you know, at any point of time, uh, whenever I was a member or a leader, I could text on WhatsApp our CEO and finder, uh, founder, you know, either with idea or update what I'm doing or a question. I think that's already amazing. Because it gives this feeling like, okay, we're here together. And it's not that, you know, you are somewhere up there that I would never see you. And I think that contributes in a way of how we develop leaders and, and people in our organization. Yeah, that's, that's amazing that you also have this example so that you can uh, text your CEO and you are also maybe encouraging your team that uh, they... That, uh, they can text you anytime, yes, that you are available for them anytime they want. Yeah, exactly. And because, uh, of course, maybe not at 3 a.m., right? We all have to have boundaries. But yeah, that's, that's very correct. Plus, you know, I also want to encourage my team members uh, to text even CEO as well. Because there are situations when they have the idea, they shared with me. And I'm like, okay, send to vision because I can't take decision, right? To, I don't know, do some kind of innovation. They're like, what do you mean text vision? I'm like, just, just send to him and that's it. And uh, I really love to see how they become more courageous uh, because they understand that it's okay in this organization. It's accepted because it's not usual um, in so many other companies, right? So that's why I think it's, it's beautiful, especially when their ideas are being heard or at least acknowledged because not ideas can be implemented, of course. So yeah, we, we are trying. It's not that it's only unicorns and rainbows, but I think uh, the setup itself is, is very positive. Yeah. So uh, uh, recently we had this switch to remote working. And uh, I know that in your company, you had uh, some uh, partly some elements of remote working already before that uh, you could, uh, you had more, let's say, flexible time frame, but now as we completely moved into remote working in 2020. What was your experience as a team leader? Was it, uh, did you change somehow your approach to, uh, to your team, to communication with your team and what changed? Part of my team was always remote, uh, mostly in direct team because we have certain sub teams. So that was not new for me, not only in terms of flexibility, but all overall like managing virtual teams. But when I think of the team um, in headquarters, what mostly changed is we kind of lost certain rituals that we have because in Mind Valley, culture is very strong and you know, and you meet people and then you have some culture days, you have socials. And um, then it was gone, not because nobody wanted, but there were no other opportunities. At the same time, I do believe that uh, team culture doesn't change 
And I think situations like that, or any crisis situation, not necessarily pandemic and going remote, but any crisis situations, they don't change teams. They simply reinforce what was already there and just shows those sides even more and even stronger. Because I believe that if the team uh, was not you know, built or there was no trust, then imagine everybody goes remote how can you trust them? You know, you don't even see them. Like when, if you had this, you know, constant checking policy. So in my case and in my team's case, and I think in, in, in the majority of the teams in Mind Valley, it was like, okay, so how do we work around it, right? What, what else we can do? And I don't, think, um, I don't think we struggled that much when I look back now, because we immediately thought of, okay, how we can ensure that we all are participating in a meeting, right? So then we can use either... Uh, Zoom breakout rooms, or even at one point, as we are mostly using Google Hangouts, there are no breakout rooms, right? And I wanted them to have certain discussions in, in groups of two or three or four. And I was thinking to myself, how do I do it? So I just created additional Google Hangout links and sent to them and said, okay, so these are the people who are going to go there. You're going to discuss this. So actually, what I'm trying to say here is that there are always ways in terms of logistics, how you can work around and, and, you know, find the same kind of types of hows, how to deliver a meeting, how to do a presentation, how to inspire them. The question is how you keep the culture, right? Probably this uh, interpersonal relationship. So if we would have uh, certain traditions in the office, so we started thinking of how we can bring it online. Let's say we had um, on Friday's learning session where each Friday somebody would teach each other something. And we, we were learning as serious things as um, upstreaming, downstreaming in terms of customer experience or something like personal finance or how to find other streams of income or something fun as singing. I was teaching Zumba in one of the learning classes or, or anything else. And, and these kind of moments when we showed our own kind of passions or talents to each other were one of the ways how we can still feel this team spirit. So in my opinion, what is needed here is only a bit of thinking, a bit of creativity. And then if you have this team spirit, it shouldn't only come from the team leader. So all team can contribute and, uh, and yeah, and then things, things flow. Maybe not as easy, I'm not gonna lie, but it's still possible. Yeah, and I remember also I saw on your social media that you had those meetings where everyone dressed up and uh, you had uh, some topics of your meetings and uh, it was it was great actually i did this similar thing recently with my um, toastmasters district team as now i'm district director and we have uh, we have five countries in the district again we, we are virtual team but we have no opportunity to meet so uh, we did uh, topics for meetings one meeting was uh, a pizza party and everyone took their favorite pizza and their favorite drink and uh, we shared why this is my favorite pizza what stories are connected to this and it was amazing yeah people started sharing about some of their stories someone is vegetarian someone has some family stories connected with this then we had the cakes and cookies event where the same we shared what is our favorite dessert and there were some romantic stories is connected with this so it is uh, it, it is always great to have uh, to add this, a little uh, some additional interesting idea to this online meeting to have uh, to have this energy yeah i love it i think it's genius you know and then people say like um, in these times they miss mostly socializing and going to restaurants not because of food but because of what is shared you know next to the food so i think 
your idea to include kind of food and eat together and just also share stories. This is so amazing. And um, I, I really, I really love it. Yes, I, I remember. I think that also your online meetings and your pictures from meetings also inspired me a little bit for it because I saw that you had some pirates or some uh, Hawaii style. I don't remember, but I remember that uh, it looked fun, you know, and it's hard to make online meetings fun. We need to add uh, some spice to it, <laughs> additional thing to make it more yeah. motivating. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very happy that, you know, if it inspired at least a bit, then it's amazing because because I was actually afraid, like, I'm not going to lie. I was afraid um, while introducing this to the team because the whole idea is one week challenge where every day, because we have these 20 minute meetings every day, because I'm, when I was leading customer support team, you have to sync, you know, what is going on in the company that day. And I was afraid that people would think that it's too silly. It's not serious enough. Um, you know, it takes effort. So why should we do it? But apparently after one week, they said we want more. And this is how we did it in total for, for four weeks. So yeah, like it was even hard to come up with topics. But, um, but I guess the most important part, yes, fun is amazing. But some of the comments that I received from team members afterwards, where they said that, you know, all days would have seemed the same but only because we had these, you know, challenges, it was something to look forward to. And um, whenever I would feel down, I would remember that for 11 a.m. I have to dress up and I would immediately have, you know, my mental and emotional health rising up. And for me, that was one of the biggest compliments, right? That, you know, we as leaders, we can also create some things that might sound silly at first and only for fun, but actually this is where connection happens. And people are craving for these spaces, I would say. So I guess it's very similar to, to what you have been doing with those masters. Yeah, yeah. So um, Greta, to sum up your, your leadership experience, what tips would you give to, uh, to young team leaders who are moving from position of a specialist to team leader? Uh, what, what are the do's and don'ts? Maybe I would start with don'ts. And the, the biggest don't I see is don't, uh, don't pretend that you know everything. And that's literally my biggest, biggest learning point. It's okay if you don't know everything and you don't have to know everything because otherwise, why would you need a team? In, in terms of uh, do's, I would say one is, you know, people say be leader, be coach, be mentor, be a manager. There are so many things. But my favorite part is be a human first and come from the place of being a human and look at your team as humans. And when you go to that place that you see, you know, whether they're exceeding your expectations or something bad happens because, you know, failures are inevitable, I guess. Uh, but if you see them still as humans, that's the whole new game. And then the way you react, you don't have to even learn any strategies, any smart things, how to do feedback because you simply want to treat them well. And this is related to the second part of do's is um, honestly care for your team, not only results, not only business needs, which is super crucial, right? That's why we're in business, but honestly care for them and care for, for the team as such. And then when you do have this care, I think um, things just flow in place. So now I would say these, these three main things. Yeah, thank you. Very valuable valuable tips. And uh, uh, Greta, I know that you uh, started a new project recently, your happiness coaching program. 
can you tell us a couple of words about this program and uh, what is it all about and what are your plans? Sure. So I, I started it without even kind of knowing. Uh, this started with uh, one colleague when we had a very short conversation, her saying, Greta, have you ever thought of becoming happiness coach? And uh, I laughed at her. I'm like, is it a thing? How can it be a thing? It doesn't sound serious. And it's like, why are you even saying this? But apparently from her question back in March, this became my yearly goal. And um, I decided to think of the things that actually why I'm happy in my life and why even when obstacle comes or I have bad days, why I still look into everything with hope and faith. And I found out that I'm not unique. I'm not like, oh my God, I'm so special. But there are certain things that I do, right? Constantly or certain habits or certain exercises that help me to come to that way. And then I thought, wait, so if these simple things help me, why don't I share that with others? Because that's not like I was born under the lucky star, I wish. <laughs> but these are the simple things that everyone, I think, could, could rectify and find what, their happiness, what happiness is for them. So this is how the idea was born and without knowing uh, even uh, what's going to happen and how I'm going to go about it. I, I finished my first pilot program a few months ago uh, because the duration is three months and I found out that it's pretty useful for people. So I decided that, you know, I want to do a second batch and see how it goes because uh, I want to be on the mission of, of happier world simply, you know, not the one that it's fake and just smiling, but people feeling better. And I think that's also related to leadership. And uh, because we want our team members to grow, right? We want them to feel better in their positions. So I would say it's, it's even connected to, to the topic that we're talking today. Yeah, this is very important actually now because we are in the world where we are, we are chasing something all the time and we don't have the time just to stop to be happy about what we already have, what we already achieved. So I think that this program is very relevant. So maybe it can give us a few tips uh, just uh, you know snippets from your program what can we do to increase our level of happiness when we are feeling down sure I think the easiest thing that goes in all things when we talk about uh, happiness is gratitude uh, I started practicing gratitude in 2015 and since when honestly my life shifted I can't say it changed but it really shifted and, and simply practicing mindful moments either it would be meditation prayer or just silent walk in nature or just being with yourself right when we actually as you said Alana have a chance to stop and understand what's going on because we're like you know we're like uh, machines as well but they need fuel right to stop and, and have some fuel so why don't we stop and um, the last one but I think that should be the first one is to define what happiness is for you and to actually understand when are you the happiest and what exactly it means. Because society has very strong opinion on what it should be, right? What is success? What is happiness? What is everything? And that doesn't have to match with your own understanding. And when you start understanding, and that's why first part of the program is about that, when you start understanding that you can take actions towards that. And I think that's, that's the biggest part, that it's a very unique approach. So yeah, mindfulness, gratitude, and understanding what happiness is for you. Yeah, this is very important to understand. I need to spend some time thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
thanks a lot for sharing today. And uh, where, if our listeners want to contact you, maybe they're interested in your happiness coaching program, or they just want to contact you and ask you some questions, where uh, is it better to contact you online? So for now, I think uh, two social media platforms where I'm the most active, mostly on leadership and, and team management and team culture. I'm sharing and I'm communicating on LinkedIn, Greta Kessa. And then uh, on Instagram, I'm more starting to focus on, on happiness, also Greta Kessa. <laughs> and uh, I have plans to build my website, gretakessa.com. So it's still in the plans, should come in upcoming few weeks. Uh, but maybe it's, it's live already when people are listening. <laughs> great i will share all the links under our uh, episode so that listeners can just contact you and see and i'm sure that your website will be live in a couple of weeks so I'll, <laughs> let's let's put it there as well thank you very much greta for the conversation and for your very useful tips today thank you it was my pleasure to be here elena thank you thank you for listening to ideas and leaders podcast did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag ideas and leaders. See you in the next episode.